0: Well, we are in the sixth week of our eight-week series. And I really believe each one of these these pieces can stand alone. That each one of these things, as we're learning to add to our faith, that each one of them can stand alone. So if you're like, wow, I've missed all of it. Know that I pray that you have something special here today that is going to be significant um, significant for you. But this is one that I believe it's positioned... Because the next two, a proper understanding for today, a proper understanding for today is what gives us a proper understanding of the next two pieces. Because we can get confused on what godliness is and think that we understand what kindness and love is. We think we understand those, and those are what the next two that we're going to discuss. So if you've got your Uversion app open, if you've got your notes, Let's just get into this, that our relationship with God should be about knowing God better and trusting him more. And as we live this out, our faith grows and it impacts every area of our lives, our whole lives, everything. Not just our Sunday morning hours where we set the alarm and we get up and we go do this thing called church. And then we go have lunch and then we kind of punch that piece of our week through and then we move on. No, it, it, it affects every piece growing in goodness affects everything it affects how we deal with each other it affects how we how we respond it affects what we do with our time and our resources it affects our job and our recreation activities in every piece of our lives we've looked at this passage over and over and over again and guess what we are not done second peter one we're going to start in verse five says for this very reason Make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge and to knowledge self-control and to self-control perseverance and to perseverance godliness, which is what we're going to look at today. And to godliness, mutual affection or kindness and to mutual affection, love for if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, if they're growing whether they're growing at a turtle's pace or they're just like, whoo, they're just growing super fast. If you have them in an increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. If you've been here before, you understand, we talk about it all the time, that Jesus is the Son of God. He is the only answer for the sin and the, the shortcomings that has, has separated us from God. That he's handled it 100% and there's no work that we do other than to just believe. Just believe that it, that, it is, that this message is right and it is so good and that's what we do. But as we do this, as we do this and we, and we br- embrace this truth. If we're going to make sure that, that we have this and we aren't ineffective and unproductive then we have to make sure that we allow these things to grow in our lives. It says, but whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins. Every time we get tripped up in this area, we forget that grace came in and changed everything. As long as we stay focused on the fact that grace changes it all, we will keep growing in it. But as soon as we get off of that, it jacks us up. Because the truth is, is so many times we want life to go our way. We want things to go and we we want everything to fall into our little order, in our little plan. We think the Bible ought to reflect what we want for us. We think that that's the way it ought to be when really if we're going to grow in this, we have to embrace that, you know, what the Bible says is what I really need, even more than what I understand it to be at the time. When Weston, my fourteen year old uh, was five, we had uh had, we were all sitting around the the living room, and we were just chilling and uh, Weston comes into the uh, uh, comes into the living room, and uh, something had happened. His older brother Keenan, had done something to him, and we didn't know, but we could tell Weston was flustered and Weston at least understood. You know, being raised in a minister's home, you know, you hope they pick up something along the way that, uh, you know, that the scriptures were important, that the Bible is important. So Weston came in and uh, he was huffed up and upset. And he said, I made up a scripture today. Okay, we're already jacked up already. But now I'm just curious. Maybe it's something the Bible already says. Maybe it is. And so he comes in and he says, I made up a scripture today. I said, hmm, what was it? He said, don't turn off the light while somebody's in there. At some point, his brother had closed him in the dark. And he decided his answer to it was just to make the Bible be on his side. I'm going to make up a scripture. I'm going to add a little bit to this. Which to a five-year-old, understanding that uh, you want to find it in the Word is a good thing. Understanding that we can't adjust it, uh, we can't do it on our own, we can't make it go there, um, is something you have to grow in because the truth is, is that it is an immature view to be able to think that the Bible should reflect everything that we want. That the Bible is somehow a means for us to get our own agenda done. And it's not. It's not. Our genders are too small. They're too selfish. Their plan's not big enough. God has wired us for something too big. And for us to get on plan with God, the first thing we have to do is say, God, I want what you want. I want to be in sync with you. I don't want the Bible to reflect what's in my heart. I want my heart to reflect you. And the truth is, is this big, scary word, godliness, is when our lives reflect the heart of God. You know, when we go through and we look at some of these other words and we, we look at this thing and it, it says that make um, every effort to add to your faith goodness, we understand goodness. We might, on some level, every once in a while, even say we're good. We did something good. We recognize good when it shows up. We add to our faith knowledge. We might would say that we're knowledgeable on something. That we understand a little bit of knowledge. We might would say that. But we might would even go to the place that we understand self-control and perseverance and all of these other places. But when we get to this one, godliness, there's something in us that goes, I understand good i understand growing in knowledge even in some self control and some perseverance but godliness to say that i'm i'm godly to say that that could be a word that i would i would want to attain to that seems so intimidating It seems like something that's not even hardly achievable. That there's just a handful of people that I would stick the term godly on. And they usually only exhibit it in bursts. This is that one where we can pull back if we don't understand what godliness is. We can have this idea of what godliness is because of of having this thing where somebody is, uh, well, our, our culture will say, well, you know that cleanliness is next to godliness. Well, then godliness is something that where everything's in order and nothing's out of place and everything's perfect and everything is, is always clean and tidy and organized and exactly where it should be. That they've always got everything together. They've always got the smile. They've always got the Bible under their arm. They're always doing just the right thing at just the right time. And that's the godly. Godliness, honestly, sounds boring. When we think of it from the world's term, it sounds boring. To be godly and sit around and philosophize about the Bible and... Maybe to take care of sick kittens or something. Do something syrupy sweet all day, every day. People, godliness is not an intimidating thing. Godliness is what you were born for. That's why you are made in the image of God. But so that you can display and live a godly life. Of everything that as believers that we should desire and want and ask God to grow in us. We should have the boldness to say, God, let my life be defined as godly. But if we don't understand what that is, we'll freak out. We'll even talk ourselves out of it and say we don't even really want it. Because it feels like it's so far away from us. But it's not. Godliness is the is the you god created you to be godliness changes everything let's look at second peter one because it all comes from the grace of god we're going to back up a few verses from where we start it says his divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life this is not dependent on you His divine power has given you everything you need to have a godly life. It's not something you got to work up on your own. You have the God nature alive on the inside of you. And all we have to do is get our own selfish concerns out of the way. And guess what comes streaming out? Godliness. When we get our own selfish concerns. Motivations pushed out of the out of sight. That's why we have to have self control from, from the Holy Spirit. That's why we have to have perseverance from the Holy Spirit because we'll stay the course. And when that begins to happen, whoop, godliness just pops out, it just becomes rolling out of our lives. It says through these, He has given us His great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature. Or even the godly nature. Through, the, per, through his promises, we get to participate in it. It's something that's already happening. Guess what? God is being godly all the time. Yeah, crazy. God's being godly all the time. So we get on page with him, and guess what we're doing? We're being godly. We're reflecting his heart. We're treating people the way He would treat them if He was in our skin and looking at them in in their face. That's godliness. We're doing the thing that ought to be done in that moment if Jesus was in our skin and doing that. That's godliness. If His job was to plug in these speakers and do all that kind of stuff, He would do them in a God-honoring way. Remember, Jesus was a carpenter and He was a godly carpenter. He reflected the heart of his father in just the daily routine of his life. It's not just stuff that's all that we think of as spiritual. You are a spirit being. Everything about your life is spiritual. And as soon as you forget that, that's when you get wrapped up in the carnal again. in In the stuff that's going away. You're a spirit being first. Your assignment is wrapped up in that. That's why it begins to say that having escaped the corruption in this world caused by its evil desires, our evil desires is what hijacks us and makes us ungodly. When we stand in the flow with the Spirit, godliness just, whoop, here it comes. We get our evil desires in there and all of a sudden it jacks everything up. That's why it says for this very reason, make every effort to add. He is growing a godly life in you. He's growing a life that is representative of who he is. That's what he's doing. And guess what? People notice. People notice. I've shared this story before. It's my, my biggest example. And I love it because we just did a, a child dedication. And so many people think that, that maybe kids just they can't make a difference. But they can. And whenever I was in elementary school, third, fourth grade, I got real excited about the things of God. My family was plugged into a really great church. And, and I got real excited just about, about God and, and wanting to just, just honor Him and, and serve Him. And I, and I didn't know exactly how to do that. And so, but I thought that okay, carrying a Bible seemed like a good thing to do. Okay, that's a childlike view of being godly. So I carried, you know, me a little Bible around, and then, and I would share, and I'd ask to pray with people, and I'd talk to people over there at Goliad Elementary in Odessa, Texas, and I would sit over there, and then people got to know me as a guy who was a guy who was, you know, my peers got to know he was a guy of faith. So I kind of took things in a little bit wrong direction. People started treating me like a minister then, and when the you know fourth graders want to get married, um, who do they go to? Go to the fourth grade preacher. And I uh, did some of my first weddings out on the playground. And I uh, opened up my little uh, little New Testament. And I read some scriptures that had nothing to do with marriage. And said, all right, you're married. And, uh, of course, they'd give each other a little kiss. And... and um, thank goodness my fifth grade teacher found out that this was going on and called me in. And boy, she, that is not right. That is not honoring the marriage, which it wasn't. And um, so, but I said, that this was just who I was. Just painting a picture of that. And there was this young man that I was not friends with, tight with at all. But I went through Goliad Elementary with him. I went through Hood Junior High with him. Go through Permian High School with him. Same grade. We just never are Friends not not enemies, just people that go to school together, so he remembers this as this guy that would pray with people and all these different things and when I'm sitting there it's my senior year at the Permian football game. I was back when Permian actually would win and um and uh, so it's true they really didn't and uh, it's not a rumor and uh and so uh anyway, so we uh um there in the in the stands and I'm not even conscious of it but about four people down is Bobby and he's sitting about four people down from me we're we're sitting there watching the game I'm talking one of our guys fumbles does something bad and so and then I just yell and as I'm yelling my life from the fourth grade to my life as a 12th grader altered significantly and I'm just cussing I'm just dropping the f-word I'm just like being a knucklehead i'm yelling it and um and so uh and so and all of a sudden then bobby i see this head come out four people down he's like brandon clark is that you i'm like yeah he said man you used to be such a blankety blank holy roller you're finally one of us This was years later. Oh, my gosh. I was going to go party that night, ruin that. God just punched me in the gut. But that thing of the fact that when we're in line, that even a kid, even a kid can, as we fumble around, can have these deals where we represent godliness. As We begin to treat people the way that God would treat them. And then, guess what? There are people that they see the other side of the coin too. There's there's a promise in the Bible that says those that pursue a godly life will be persecuted. People don't like you doing the right thing just because it's right. They don't like it. The world doesn't like it. If you're going to choose to live that life, people are going to buck up against it. But it is worth it. It is worth it. It changes everything. It changes everything. You see, the truth is, is godliness is the opposite of everything that you ever were before you came to Jesus. Romans 5, 6 says, see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Titus 2 says, for the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. Remember, this is grace start to finish. He teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled and upright and godly lives in this present age. His grace teaches us to do it, to live godly lives in this present age, in this present age, not just so that we can reflect the DNA of God on the inside of us when we get to heaven, but so that we can reflect it now so that we can be representatives of him that when he needs to show up in somebody's life he taps your shoulder and there he is expressed through you that's what the body of Christ is all about 1 Timothy 3:16 says beyond all question the mystery from which true godliness from which true godliness springs i love that word you get the other stuff and godliness pops out there it is. From which, it appear, <clears throat> from which true godliness springs is great. Here is the mystery from which true godliness springs. He appeared in the flesh, was vindicated by the Spirit, was seen by angels, was preached among the nations, was believed on in the world, and was taken up into glory. Our teens right now are going through a book called Jesus Is... You want to fill in the blanks? Jesus is godliness. He is godliness. That is his expression. He is the exact representation of the Father. See, godliness bridges heaven and earth. It brings the two together. Remember I said in this present age, 1 Timothy 4, 7 through 10 says, having nothing to do with godless myths and old wives' tales, rather train yourselves to be godly. How do we train ourselves to be godly? We get used to pushing our own way out of the way and letting God's way be the be be the the word for the day in us. For physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things holding promise, both for the present life and the life to come. <clears throat> this is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. That godliness. Impacts this life and the life to come. Godliness bridges heaven and earth. Us allowing the God nature on the inside of us bridges the two. Matthew six nine says, "Then this is how you should pray." Remember, in our prayer series, we talked about this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed, or praise be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So what we're challenged by Jesus to pray. Before we pray anything else, say, God, let it be on earth like it is in heaven. Let your care and your love for people be shown up on earth. Let us, living in harmony and peace, show up on earth. Let us see each other the way you see others let that happen on earth that is what changes everything and people understood that when heaven invaded earth it would had to do with godliness here peter and them have just healed a guy this is acts chapter 3 verse 12 they've just healed a guy and he's the guy sitting there crippled they grab his arm, yank him up. He's leaping, dancing. He's just having all sort of commotion. Things are going crazy there by the gate. Beautiful, it says. And when Peter, people begin to have a big tumult, it says. And when Peter saw this, he said to them, fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if our own power or godliness? <clears throat> by Our own power, or godliness, we made this man walk. Everybody intrinsically understood. And Peter had to address it. The godliness that when heaven invaded earth. Where the guy that was crippled is not crippled anymore. That it was the nature of God himself. And nothing they worked up. It changed everything. And just as we close down. I want us to understand that simply a godly life. Is a life that blesses others. It blesses others. It lives To be God's hands and feet to others. 1 Timothy 2, 1 through 4 says, I urge then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. Why? This is good and pleases God our Savior who wants all people to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. My my fourth grade moments of godliness were impacting a guy I didn't even have any idea that the Holy Spirit was working in him. I didn't even have any idea. Had I continued in that, who knows? Who knows? Maybe I would have got to have a conversation with him. Maybe I would have got to be a part of that. I'm praying that, that his life is, is, is very different and his views on that are very different at this day. But it changes everything. It's a life about blessing others. See, the truth is, is that we act as though comfort and luxury were the chief requirements of life. When the truth is, is all that we really need to be happy is something to be enthusiastic about i love this word enthusiasm it means to be possessed by god that's what the that's what that word means the greek word means to be possessed by god somebody god really gets a hold of them all of a sudden they get fired up about what god is doing and we you want to be really happy get fired up about what god is doing I'm seeing it all over Celebration Church and I just love it. I get word from people talking about whether it's the 60-60 and people are excited about what the Holy Spirit's doing in their own life or people are talking about the changes in one another and family members and all this. They're getting excited and they've got more joy than they've ever had as they recognize and get excited about what God is doing in other people's lives. It changes everything. 2 Timothy 3 says, But mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. Look at all of this stuff that's so opposite to the nature of God. People be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, Ah, having... A form of godliness, but denying its power, have nothing to do with these people. Godliness is not something we put on, put on our little Christian jacket and put our little Christian bumper sticker on and do all of our little Christian stuff and fake it through. Godliness that way is worthless. You know, the real godliness that makes a difference is when people are honest enough to say, God can use me right where I am, I'm imperfect. And I'm going to make mistakes, and the Holy Spirit's going to deal with them as we deal with them. But he wants to use me right here and now. And that's when godliness makes a difference. That's when it makes a difference. If you're not familiar with the story of the Good Samaritan, there were some guys that were giving Jesus a hard time, the the Pharisees. And Jesus was, they felt pretty self-righteous, they felt pretty godly. And Jesus wanted to remind them that they're not. Show them that they're not. Tells a story about a guy that gets the snot beat out of him. Gets robbed and just messed up. Says he's stripped naked. This guy's just, I mean, he's just had it. And he's left on the side of the road for dead. Here comes a guy who's a a priest. Here he comes. He's all dressed up. He looks the part. Looks like here's a holy man. If somebody's going to bring God into this situation, here he comes. And what does he do? Goes around. Gets on the other side of the road. Doesn't do a thing. And Jesus says, then another guy comes by. And they're hoping, right? maybe this guy's going to do it. This guy's a Levite. This is another guy who they esteem that is automatically kind of a a holy, godly guy. And Jesus' story, he comes along. He's all in his stuff. And he skirts the guy and he gets on the edge as well and goes around him. Then Jesus brings a third guy into the story. A third guy. In our culture, in the Christian culture, he, he would have, Jesus want to smack us around a little bit. He'd probably have said it was, a, it was a Muslim. Probably said it was somebody that we would say was out to get us and to hurt us. He says it's a guy named, that's a Samaritan. This is a guy that was despised by the Jewish people. It says this Samaritan guy comes along and he sees the guy in the ditch. And he quits what he's doing. He's on his road somewhere. Nobody is just hanging out halfway between Jerusalem and Jericho. It's a mean place. People get beat up and left for dead there. He's on his way somewhere. He's got stuff to do. He goes. He bends down. He picks the guy up. He takes care of him. He puts him on his donkey that he was riding a cushy ride on. He now is walking, takes the guy in, finds an inn, makes sure he's taken care of, pours oil and wine on him, makes sure all of his wounds are tended, takes money out of his pocket, says this should cover him for a few days. I'm going to come. You take your, the best care you possibly can. And when I get back anything you've spent, I'm going to pay for it. Give this innkeeper a blank check. says, just take good care of this guy. Jesus says, who did right? It was quiet. They have to hang their heads. Go that. They couldn't even say it. It says they didn't even say the Samaritan. It says the one that showed compassion on him. They couldn't even bring their lips to say it. Godliness, folks. It's just when we let God move in us through compassion and let His heart be expressed for people. That's all it is. You want to have a godly home? You don't have to have praise music blasting all the time and read two chapters before every meal and, and do all these different things. Treat your kids like they're precious, like they're a gift from God. Treat your spouse like God sees them even if they were a jerk that day because God's still loving them, so you still love them. You want to have a godly home, begin to interact that way. You want to have a, a godly work environment, begin to interact with your boss the way Jesus would deal with him if Jesus was employed by that guy. You want to have a, a, a change the environment, that's all godliness is. That's all it is. It's not big, heavy, it's not goofy, it's, it's life-changing, it it's, it's fun, it changes the atmosphere, it changes everything. Because here's the truth that if if, all of a sudden if you're growing in something and it begins to make you feel superior to others like these guys did, if it makes you feel superior, that's not godliness. Godliness brings a humility, a desire to serve and love others. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world. But to save the world through him. If we're going to be godly. We're going to understand God loves everybody. He gave his best to get them reconnected with him. Godliness is us loving others. And living our lives to see people reconnected with him. That's it. It's as simple as that. It's as simple as that. Bottom line is godliness is God showing up through you. If we continue to grow in our faith, then we will be, truly be effective and productive in our knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. He really is that good. He really is that awesome. You've done it. Guess what? You've been godly. Every one of you have had a moment where you received with a compassion for somebody and you treated them above and beyond what they should have been treated. You were godly. You've done it. Everybody in this room at some point has been used by God in that way. Maybe it was once, maybe it's twice, maybe it's a daily event. Let's just open ourselves up to it more. Let's grow in godliness. But to start there, it's a grace thing. We have to have the very nature of God alive in us, and that comes through Jesus. So I want you just to bow our heads real quick. And if you say here.